Welcome, learners and learn-it alike, to help teach. Hello and welcome to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co-lead, Mihai Kovasser. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. One last message for you teachers tuning in. Listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. For today's episode, I'd love to give a warm welcome to someone that uh, I've known for a long time and that will give a lot of great information for us today. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, thanks a lot, Mihai, for having me. Well, why don't we just start by um, asking you a bit about you? Uh, Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Sure. I'm Stephanie Spees. I'm currently a grade 4-5 teacher. Um, I've been teaching for 23 years, I believe, this year. Um, I've taught in a couple different provinces um, and grades from 1 to 7, so kind of in the elementary realm of things. Um, Yeah, so I I feel like I've been around for a while now. (laughs) Absolutely. So... You know, I think it's a bit of a cliche question, maybe, but I think we all are interested to hear about uh, what brought you to to where you are now. So um, how did you get to teaching? How was your journey like getting there? Um, I think since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, my mom was a teacher um, in always kind of in a very high need schools and always brought home stories on her experiences. Um, I always loved working with kids. I was, uh, you know, coached finger skating for many years um, and just enjoyed working with children. And I knew that I did want a family of my own one day and I knew that teaching would also um, be a great choice as far as being able to be um, having a career and also being um, a mom as well. Yeah, absolutely. For you audience members out there, uh, just to give you a bit of context there, my younger brother especially is quite good friends with uh, (laughs) Stephanie's uh, young ones as well. So uh, we're quite close and they're wonderful kids. So (laughs) yeah, it's been a great friendship. Absolutely. So you mentioned there in that that little story that your, your mom worked in quite high needs uh, schools or environments and that she brought home stories about that. So would you mind elaborating about a bit on that? What, what do you mean? Yeah. So she um, kind of taught what you might call an inner city schools, um, you know, lots of children that, you know, needed extra support in lots of different ways. Um, and the way she loved them was, was just incredible. And they still, 
you know, you go downtown and she still meets kids who say that she was their favorite teacher and, um, you know, to have that. And hopefully someday someone will say that about me as well. So um, even though her days were hard, um, you know, she loved the kids and the kids loved her. Um, In the beginning of my career, I, I didn't have that experience. I tended to, you know, just the way that worked, I ended up working in quite um, you know, well-to-do schools that didn't have the needs that, that my mom had had. And, um, in the more recent years, I've, we've kind of had more similar experiences as I've changed to different schools, um, that we can have quite, quite interesting conversations together. Um, and, you know, she can give me advice on, on how she did things and, and, you know, I can, certainly take away a lot of what she did really really well yeah i mean that's great to hear you know to have the opportunity to grow up and get to know uh that environment and, and to have your role model be so close to you in terms of what you want to do for a career it must have been uh must have been really nice for you yeah and i think as like you get older you appreciate it more and more <laughs> for sure <laughs> for sure um i know the the same thing is true of my own sibling and, and our parents, he is definitely seeming to, to go down their path of uh, medicine and, and working also with children. He has quite a quite an interest in working with kids and he's always loved um, being with, with younger children. So um, yeah, it, it, it's sort of great to have that environment. I, I'm not going quite the same way, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm sure they have at least one of us. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. At least they have the one of us uh, as yeah. a bit more of a guarantee there. So you mentioned there that uh, your experiences and your mother's sort of got closer um, or over time and you have some some stories to share there. What uh, what does that look like? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so, you know, just having, you know, students that have, you know, kind of more exceptional needs mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how to how to help, um, you know, serve those students the best and make sure that they're getting everything they need and and the rest of the class is also getting everything they need so Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's a tricky balance for sure um and there's a lot of outside factors you know that feed into a classroom that unfortunately we don't have sometimes all the um we don't aren't able to influence those factors we Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we try as best we can and to support families like as a wraparound, but you know, there it's, it's tricky at times to um, give everyone what they need in, in exactly the way they need it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You uh, said something interesting in our pre-talk there, which I, I, I really enjoyed, which is that um, everyone in a class is someone's baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah do, think, do you want, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, to kind of keep, you know, as a teacher, I guess, more speaking to parents and, and you know, like, we want to do well by our children and we want to do the best we can for each child. Um, and, you know, like, everyone needs something at a different time and, and sometimes one child will need extra support on a certain day or a certain time of day or whatever it happens to be. Um, and just understanding that, you know, when I'm giving support to 
one child fully, it means sometimes another child who also might need support at the exact same time. Um, you know, it's it's that balancing act and, and it can be really a tricky situation that um, it's really, it's, it's hard at times to make sure that, you know, trying to give everyone what they need, but maybe not necessarily having the resources to do so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, as I mentioned in my intro to this show, that's really what we're trying to shed a light on, you know, as part of this project is that there are gaps that exist. I think there are gaps that exist in everyone's experience in education, regardless of whether you're a student or a teacher or a parent or anyone else. Um, there, There's just gaps there that I think really make it tough on everyone to have the to, to generate the classroom environment that everyone wants to see right and it's it's difficult to be on the end of that where you don't always have control over that right and you don't always regardless of your best intentions it can be really difficult sometimes to make that happen um just because you simply don't have as you say the resources at your disposal to do so which is why i'm hoping you know as part of this project we can offer some advice or some knowledge that can help people to, to to supplement that in their experience and you know small steps at a time right yeah yeah and it is it's it's all about you know really it comes down to money and funding and and all those things that again we don't have um any you know influence on as as educators yeah. or as students or as parents um you know it kind of comes from above so um just working the best we can within the parameters that we have um is kind of what we need to all work together on. I think working together is that big, big piece um, yeah. with any student, but especially students with, you know, diverse needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it's, as I mentioned, everyone has a bit of a different perspective on it. I and mean, it can be easy for maybe some of our audience members, especially if you're a student with a disability who is listening to this and really connects with us and takes interest, maybe you've had these these feelings or you've heard someone else do this where it's easy to point fingers sometimes, right? But um, the fact that we're all sort of working towards a common goal, or at least many of us are, I think that's that's really important to hear um, for, for our audience. Yeah. How, does that, how does that make you feel? You know, coming home at the end of the day, from this kind of environment and knowing that all this is, is happening. And, you know, as you mentioned, having grown up and cultivated that sense of wanting to do your best for, for all the students in your class. I think it's, it's hard, right? It's, and some days of course are better than others. Some days you come home and you're like, yeah, I really nailed it today. Everyone got what they needed. And unfortunately those are far and few between. Um, there's just, you know, you just want to clone yourself and, you know, have 28 of you for each child. Um, but of course impossible, <laughs> um, but you know, we, we try the best we can and, and, you know, for the most part, I think, um, you know, working as a team is really important to make sure it's, it's a job you can't do alone. You have to be working with all the partners, um, that are, you know, stakeholders in this, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it can be, it can be. So, you know, pretty disheartening to come home and, and feel that you, you know, you missed this completely today and you, you know, I didn't get this done or I didn't see this, you know, I should have spent more time with this child or 
um, it, it can be really, um, it can be disheartening some days, um, you know, to come home and feel like that, that you haven't met everybody's needs the way you want to every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's a, a great place there for us to take a pause, but don't go anywhere, audience members. What's in our second half of this episode today, we're going to be, as the episode title suggests, taking a look at the inner framework of the education system from an educator's perspective and telling you a bit about all the moving parts that come together to make the classroom that you know and appreciate or, you know, sometimes don't. And... Of course, listen in, educators, for our key takeaway at the end of the episode that you can implement today to make the classroom more accessible and inclusive for all. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Help Teach. Today, I'm having a conversation with Stephanie Spies on the subject of uh, being an educator with students with all kinds of diverse needs and the the unique challenges that come with that. And we just left off talking a bit about what it takes to make the classroom um, as accessible as, as possible and the fact that it can be quite difficult and, uh, well, for all parties involved on some days. So, um, you know, and we often talk, as I do, as I did in my introduction, about the resources that are really lacking in the school system to make it, um, to have that support be there for all students and all teachers. So I'd love to just start this half by asking you, what kind of resources do you have at your disposal for making the classroom the way, run the way you want it to? Um, what, who do you turn to? What, what happens there? I think my, always usually my first stop, at least in my particular case, is, um, depending on the child is the learning assistance teacher or the uh, resource teacher. Those are the two um, people who, you know, generally manage caseloads of children um, who have diverse needs. And um, within that, we can pull other specialties in such as, you know, OTs, like occupational therapists, um, speech language pathologists, um, could be counselors, um, you know, and depending on the child, creating IEPs and learning plans for those children so that they can feel successful in the school setting and, and also as a communication guide for the parents as, as this is what we're teaching and this is how we're going to do it and, and this is how we're going to try to um, help your child be successful. Yeah, you know, I had a conversation with uh, my previous guest, Alexis Holmgren, on the subject of IEPs and how much of a tough kind of uh, situation that can be to navigate for a lot of people. Um, and you mentioned learning plans as well. Would you mind uh, just telling us a bit more about, first of all, what a learning plan is and how it's different? Um, and then, it, you know, how, what your experiences has been with both of those documents and how that comes together in your class? Yeah, every every kind of district and school kind of is slightly different. Um, but generally, an IEP is like a legally binding document. Um, those um, you know, um, things that are listed in there, adaptations for the child um, must be followed. Um, a learning plan is more, um, it could be just as a child is struggling in a certain area, math, reading, whatever it happens to be. And these are the accommodations we're going to give the child to help them be successful. So it could be using a calculator or giving more time for tests or those type of accommodations. Um, occasionally it does also you know, 
if I'm teaching grade four and there's someone reading at grade two, well, we're going to, you know, assess them at a grade two level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they're still seeing growth, but at their own level. So it's kind of a, just a slightly different document. There's definitely some overlap, but um, the key one would be that it's, it's more of a, um, less of a legal, it's not a legally binding document. Okay, I see. So I'm, I'm curious about this because from a student perspective, it can be often hard to see how those inner workings come together and why maybe, um, you know, sometimes what you're hoping for in terms of accommodations don't necessarily come through. So I was just curious to ask, first of all, what uh, sort of what goes into who comes to the table to discuss IEPs usually and how, you know, um, is there sort of a, a designated or a, a required uh, representation, right, from, from, from which parties to come to the table and discuss that kind of document? And then um, whose responsibility is to enforce it, generally speaking? I mean, at least from, from a technical standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, this you kind of look at the stakeholders and again, it will be different for each child. Like some children will need an OT and some, you know, some goals for that, or maybe they need a goal for speech or whatever it happens to be. And some children won't need it. So it really depends. The team is diff slightly different for each child. Um, but the ones that kind of remain constant are the resource teacher or the learning, learning assistance teacher, uh, the classroom teacher, and um, the parents. Those are kind of the, the key uh, players and then as far as implementing um, the IEP it's generally the teacher um, that kind of does those except for you know you have students who have goals that are speech related well then the, then the speech language pathologist would be kind of more responsible for implementing those or you know making sure that those things are covered through the through their teaching yeah I see okay yeah, very interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so you, you mentioned this both in our first half and then again here, and it's something uh, I can tell is quite Im important to you. So I'd love to talk a bit about it. Um, you mentioned a couple of times that working, you know, as a team and having that team around you that that support you really is key. So you mentioned a few people that you rely on all at all times. But um, I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about that, like what who, who is it that you go to regularly for, for that support? And why is it so important that you have that team together and that you work together well? Uh, what do you do for each other? Yeah, I mean, this is just a job you can't do alone. Um, or maybe you can do it alone, but you can't do it well alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, to your benefit and to the child's benefit um, that you are working together because it is, it's such a big job. And as I say, you know, it's one thing to have one child with one IEP in your classroom, but you know, you get up to seven IEPs and a few learning plans in a classroom, it's just impossible to do by yourself. So, um, you know, making accommodations for students that will work for a lot of students at the same time, because um, often many children need the same type of accommodations. But um, as far as people that I rely on, um, if you have a CEA, I've been blessed with the most incredible CEA um, this year and, and last year. And in previous years, I've, I've had many, many good ones. Um, they are incredible, both with giving sometimes that one-on-one -on -one support that you just can't give 
like 100% of the time um, to children. And for me, the CEA, at least mine has, you know, she sees my blind spots. Um, you know, she sees, okay, well, we're having this activity. How is this child going to, you know, make sure that we're making sure they're part of it? Or how can, you know, and, and sometimes when you're looking at the 26 other children, um, and where, you know, something has moved really, something's changed really quickly and you've got to, you know, sometimes haven't considered all everything. And, and so having that CEA there to really um, help you out and, and to, you know, check those blind spots that, okay, have we thought about this? What, how is this going to work? Is this student, you know, going to be successful in this way or that way? Or um, just bouncing ideas off. I've been really, really lucky that way. Um, now, not all classrooms have CAs. Um, I think it's my belief that every classroom should have one, um, just to have extra hands at all times. It always needs, um, especially nowadays, I find that we have more and more diverse classrooms. Um, it's really, I think there's such a huge, um, sometimes undervalued um, part of our education system. Um, I have nothing but respect for them and, and their work that they do with children. Um, yeah, and I think just, again, like working back and forth and as a team with those people that support the children is the number one way to make the classroom a great place for everybody. Yeah. Would you mind telling our, our audience what a CEA is, like what that means? And oh, yeah, you've talked a bit about what they do. Education but... assistant. Yeah. Um, so they're there to help. Some, sometimes they're attached to a child, um, often attached to a child. But um, nowadays it's very rare to get a CEA one-on-one -on -one with a student. Generally, there's several students that are kind of attached to a CEA. And um, they are kind of she's or he is helping those specific students in general. Yeah, um, yeah. They, of course, they usually help out throughout the classroom, but they're kind of the ones that are, are meant to be working together. Yeah, okay. No, I, I, absolutely. I have definitely had my fair share of um, diverse experiences with staff, you know, uh, different school staff with regards to my needs in the system. And absolutely, having a great CA in the class is just, you can't, uh, you can't really you can't compete with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I did uh, sort of shift gears here a little bit. I did have another um, thing to draw on from what you were speaking about, and that's about uh, working with parents and with families because, you know, a lot of work happens between you and other and your staff, you know, other colleagues of yours to make this a, a great experience. But also, naturally, the parents of, of the students are key stakeholders in the class and they're very much involved. So what has your experience been like working with uh, parents and families to make that classroom environment or to promote that environment that both of you uh, want to see and and what are maybe some uh, if you've had any challenges in that regard or something like that yeah I think the best experiences that I've had with with parents has been when they're we're both coming together kind of with the best of intentions and um, you know them understanding that I'm going to do the best for their child and you know, they're also advocating for their child in the best way um, and understanding, um, you know, that 
what what can happen and what we want to happen is sometimes not always doesn't always line up. We try as best we can, but um, there's days that it doesn't line up. So um, just kind of coming from that idea of grace for each other a bit. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's been interesting for me, you know, especially at IEP meetings is that, you know, I can have an idea what I want for a child to learn that year. Um, and that can be very different from the goals of the parent and what the parent thinks is important for the child. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, I think you have to be really, really open to parents and listening to what they want for their child. And, and, you know, what I think is important sometimes isn't what's important for that child. And, and they're the first teachers, right, as the parents. Um, so knowing that they know their child best and, and what they see for their child for the future is, is really important to honor. And, uh, you know, work together to kind of have that, that balance of what, you know, we think they might need and what, what the parents think that they want to have as well. So yeah, coming from that place of working to just that working together is so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great to hear. And I think that brings us very nicely to our key takeaway for this episode, which uniquely uh, in this series so far, uh, you know, natal <laughs> as it is, um, is actually a key takeaway uh, more so for for parents from a teacher's perspective, um, though we also, of course, have a bit of a spin on it to uh, help educators as well. And I think it's you've mentioned it throughout. But uh, why don't you tell us about what we really uh, want to have people take away from this episode? I think um, for me, the parents for parents, um, you know, we as teachers are on your side. Um, we understand how difficult you know, situations can become for everyone. We know that it's not perfect every day, um, but the more we can encourage an environment of collaboration and uh, clear communication, uh, the better the classroom can become for your child. Awesome. Yeah. And for teachers? For teachers, um, if you don't already have those lines of communication with parents um, whose kids come through your class, just consider how you can work together and um, to support the classroom environment you want to see. So that would be what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the fact that, I mean, this project is sort of a example of that, really. The, the, the fact of just communicating openly and getting out there exactly how each person feels about the situation that we're talking about, what everyone's experiences are and how we can best work together to improve them for everybody. I think it's just the best thing we can do for each other is to communicate patiently and, and really try to, I mean, to make sure that we, as you say, we often come into it with the best intentions and the more we can help each other out and understand where some shortfalls and some, and some um, gaps exist, the more we can sort of be there for each other as actors in the school system and, and make that come together really nicely. So thank you. That's uh, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, thanks. I think you really, yeah, I think you brought it home there. I think that's perfect. <laughs> so that uh, does take us just about to the end of our time here. So I just want to thank you very much for coming on. It was a great conversation today. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's my first podcast. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, you did a great job. Oh, thanks, Mihai. You've just heard another episode of the Community Audio Project, Help Teach. 
I'd like to give a huge thank you to my other co-leads on this project, Peyton Given, Maggie Manning, Elise Doucette, and Alexis Holmgren, all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. Big thank you to Every Canadian Counts and their hashtag Rising Youth Initiative for funding this project. I'd love to give a huge shout out to our community mentor for this project, Charles Kutsia, and to our professional contact helping in the editing process, Chester Hall. My name is Mihai Kovasser. I'm your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. And if you're hearing this episode now, then we've officially gone live on my personal site on Transistor FM. You can find all transcripts, episode notes, and links to other resources and hosting platforms there, where you are likely listening now. And I'll be posting updates on our changes and progress regularly. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.